Ladies and gentlemen, may I present before you Mr. Chetan Sharan Thak. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Am I audible to all of you? In the behind rows, am I audible to all of you? Is this to be turned on? Am I audible now? this presentation with an overview of what we'll be discussing. The four main topics we'll discuss today. I hope it's visible to all of you behind. So we'll discuss how there is significant scientific evidence that our society is suffering from a serious spiritual deficiency. Then there is significant scientific evidence suggesting that spirituality has real scientific basis and scientific benefits. Then we'll discuss because all of us are Indians, what unique insights the Indian knowledge systems, the IKS can offer and what you as young and budding Indians can do to empower yourself by both these very strong and developed human faculties, science and spirituality. So I would like to start with a brief story. Once a group of 10 friends came from a village to a city. So they got accommodation in a 100 story hotel. They got the accommodation on the top floor. So they went by elevator, kept all their luggage, came down by the elevator, went around to see the sites in the city. When they came back, they were aghast to find that the power supply had got cut off. That meant that they now had to climb the 100 stories. So as they were contemplating on this arduous prospect, one of them got an idea. He said, let us entertain each other by telling stories. And that will take our mind off the ardor of the climb. He said, very good idea. They started climbing. So first of them told his story to the 10th floor. Second told to the 20th floor. Some of them told little longer stories. So by the time the ninth person finished, they were on the 95th story. And they all turned to the last person. So, now it is your turn. Please tell your story. He said, no, I can't tell you my story. He says, why? All of us told. He says, my story is a tragedy. It will break your hearts if I tell it to you. He said, no, 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 no. He said, so what? So finally, uh, they were climbing along. He says, this is a long story. He says, no, it's a short story, only a one-line story. So finally, they reached the 100th floor. He says, now I have to tell you my story. He says, what is it? I have forgotten the key downstairs. I have forgotten the key downstairs. So, uh, this is not just a story of 10 friends. This, sadly, is the story of our modern human civilization. Now, we have ascended fabulous heights 
in science and technology you know what was considered impossible even a few decades ago is now a daily reality you know we can communicate through cell phones with anybody in any part of the world through internet just by clicking a button we can summon information from anywhere in the world so the technological wizardry that we have around us is like climbing to stupendous heights but sadly while this technological wizardry is preoccupying our attention there have been some serious indications of something going wrong it seems that we have forgotten the key of how to be happy in life so i would like to share some statistics so this is a book by dr david myers called the american paradox spiritual hunger in an age of plenty go ahead so in this he says what has happened in america in the last 40 50 years since 1960 the divorce rate has doubled the teen suicide rate has tripled the recorded violent crime rate has quadrupled the prison population has quintupled the percentage of babies born to unmarried women has sextupled it's a pun it's sextupled it happened six times and depression has soared to 10 times the pre world war 2 level so we may see all sorts of soap operas on star tv which give a very fanciful portrayal of american society but this is what statistics are saying and this is just not anomalous statistics these statistics have been repeated survey after survey after survey now according to who the world health organization 1 million people commit suicide every year 1 million people committing suicide means one suicide every 40 seconds that means since we started this talk more than 10 people have committed suicide it's quite tragic if we think about it and even more distressing is the fact that this figure of 1 million works out to be more than the number of people who are killed in wars who are killed in terrorist attacks and who are killed in murderous crimes that means more than the number of people who are being killed by others are the number of people who are killing themselves so who calls suicide as a tragic social health problem for which there is no known medical cure please go ahead that's why martin luther king said about 5 decades ago we live in an age of guided missiles and misguided men guided missiles and misguided men so of course he lived in a time before gender neutrality came in so we could say misguided humans now but what is it that has gone wrong in fact this is a partial quote the preceding part of the quote he says is that our scientific power has outrun our spiritual power so we have advanced a lot scientifically but we have not developed proportionately spiritually so our modern science and its associated technology have enabled us to control the external world very precisely and that's how we are able to guide missiles but most of us don't have the resources the techn- spiritual technology to control the internal world to control our own emotions to control and discipline our own thoughts and because of this inability to control our inner world 
we have this tragic phenomenon of guided missiles and misguided men so the ideal situation would be we don't want misguided missiles and guided men we don't want that we only develop spiritually and neglect science but we need guided humans and guided missiles so we need a balance in our society all of you are now going to get uh, high quality scientific education in this esteemed college and along with this if you would like to develop as a complete holistic human being then spiritual education is not just a complement re education but it is a necessary education now spirituality is a very common yet abstract word let's see what spirituality means so what does this suggest to you what is happening here a farmer is using a mercedes to plow a field now what do you think will happen if a person uses a mercedes to plow a field three things will happen first thing is that the field will get spoiled second thing is that the mercedes will get spoiled third thing is that the driver will get frustrated so now what the spiritual wisdom traditions of the world tell us is that if we human beings live a life that is exclusively materialistic with no spiritual dimension to it then our situation is like a person using a mercedes to plow a field and scientific evidence supports that now if we look at the world today uh, those of you who are well read will know that we are on the brink of a major ecological disaster it's not just global warming but climate change is a huge issue and if we think about it who or what has caused the ecological problems as a well known biologist dr eo wilson he did a study of the interdependence of all the species on this planet and he found that every species contributes to the ecology of the planet if the if the grass gets burned or dies gets destroyed and the herbivorous animals suffer if the herbivorous animals decrease in number the carnivorous animals suffer so he found that every species make some contribution to the ecology small or big but there is one species whose extinction would cause no problem to the ecology at all in fact most ecological problems would be solved by the extinction of that species can you guess which species that is yes it is humans so i wrote this in an article in the speaking tree uh, it was titled green earth needs spiritual humans so this is uh, so dr u wilson says how is it that we humans who are considered to be the highest of all species are making not a constructive but a destructive contribution to the ecology now if you are if you had a classroom and we found that this particular student is the most brilliant we would expect him to contribute him or her to contribute the most positively not the most negatively yet we see humans who are in the cosmic classroom the most intelligent are making the most destructive contribution so our ecological problems are because of humans and it's not just because of humans humans have been on this planet for thousands of years even millions of years but our ecological problems have multiplied snowballed in the last 50 to 100 years 
and that is precisely the time when human beings have become excessively and exclusively materialistic. So if we look at the sources of ecological problems, they are basically excessive and discriminate use of materialistic resources at the expense of the environment. So just as a, no, no, please, just as a Mercedes used for plowing spoils the field, when we use our human lives for materialistic living, we spoil our environment. Not only that, just as the Mercedes itself gets spoiled, when we use it for uh, plowing, our human bodies, whatever are the indulgences, whatever are the pleasures that are touted on television, on movies, in the pop culture today, all those pleasures are themselves the cause of sufferings. You know, the whole media glamorizes activities like smoking and drinking, but they are themselves the cause of cancer, lung cancer and heart cancer. Uh, or if we glamorize uh, meat eating, 97% of all heart diseases can be avoided to switch to a vegetarian diet. And the most glamorized of all pleasures is sexual pleasure. And sexual pleasure leads to so many health disasters. AIDS is just the tip of the iceberg. There is syphilis, there is gonorrhea. And among all diseases, sexual diseases are the most dangerous because they hit the most productive population of society. Arthritis and other diseases, they come to people when they grow older. But the, the sexually transmitted diseases come to people when they are in the age when they can contribute most to their own careers and to the world. So I was addressing a conference of UNESCO on AIDS and world religion. So there I was explaining that AIDS is not just acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. It is acquired intelligence deficiency syndrome. Why intelligence deficiency syndrome? Because when we are deficient in our intelligence, we think that materialistic living centered around sexual pleasure is the only pleasure and the ultimate goal of life. And that leads to all sorts of complications. So just as the Mercedes gets spoiled, you take any materialistic indulgence, that spoils our body. And similarly, just as a driver gets frustrated, we see human beings are getting frustrated. There is depression, there is stress and there is suicide. You know, uh, have you ever seen a donkey getting depressed? He says, you know, my master makes me work so hard, I am going to commit suicide now. No. Why? Because you know, we humans have a higher potential. When we live at a materialistic level, we abuse that higher potential and that backfires on us. Con in contrast, spirituality is also demonstrated that science has demonstrated rather that if we live spiritually, there are benefits. So, uh, go ahead, next slides. Now, since the start of the last century, many studies have been done by researchers to see what is the correlation between spiritual beliefs, spiritual faith and mental and physical health. And 300 st studies were compiled in this book, Handbook of Religion and Health. It is a classic in, uh, in neurotheology. Uh, it's, can we go ahead? It compiled, it compiled by Dr. Harold Koenig and his colleagues. They reviewed 2,000 published experiments that tested. So these are studies which were conducted in different parts of the world. 2,000 such studies they compiled together. And these studies were correlating 
the relationship between religious belief or spiritual inclination and physical health parameters like blood pressure heart disease cancer and stroke and mental health parameters like depression suicide psychotic disorders and marital problems and what were their findings go ahead so they found that people who attended a spiritual program at least once a week lived 7 years longer than people who didn't attend at all so just connecting to spirituality for a few hours a day according to 3000 scientific research all over the world suggests that that can increase our longevity by no less than 7 years the same statistics was repeated by reader's digest in one of its premier issues go ahead not only do people live longer in quantity they live better in quality religious youth showed significantly lower levels of drug and alcohol abuse premature sexual involvement criminal delinquency and suicidal tendencies than their non religious counterparts it was not only for younger people it was also for elderly people go ahead elderly people with deep personal religious faith have a stronger sense of well being and life satisfaction than their less religious peers so what was dr kanik's conclusion he said a high sq sq is spiritual quotient just like your iq that is sq a high sq faithfulness to god appears to benefit people of all means educational levels and ages this is like one medicine which benefits everyone physically and mentally irrespective of their age or background go ahead so now that's why michael faraday who most of you know as the pioneer of electromagnetism he says we ought to value the privilege of knowing god's truth far beyond anything we can have in this world now many of the leading scientists throughout history were spiritualists they all had strong belief in the spiritual purpose of life and in the ultimate spiritual reality god so he says that yes he has discovered electromagnetism and it's working but understanding the higher purpose of life which the supreme reality god has ordained that is the ultimate goal that is what we value in life we should value go ahead so india's own shrinivas ramanuja he gives a beautiful insight he says an equation for me has no meaning unless it represents a thought of god now all of us have studied e is equal to mc square f is equal to g m1 m2 upon r square now who made this equality yeah the particular scientists newton or einstein they postulated or discovered the equality who made that equality so shivas ramanuja says that the equality cannot come by chance it is actually a thought of god go ahead so dr anthonson is a nobel laureate in chemistry he says that i think only an idiot can be an atheist he's unusually assertive for a scientist go ahead dr albert einstein we know as the pioneer the greatest of modern scientists he says about his own scientific work what is he doing i only trace the lines that flow from god so go ahead yeah go behind one minute so basically science has discovered the benefits of spirituality scientists have acknowledged the scientific reality of god and most surprisingly science as it is advanced has also discovered strong evidence suggesting that there is a soul so one of the pioneers in this is go ahead dr wilder penfield he is a nobel laureate canadian neurosurgeon he is called the father of neurosurgery and he was a complete atheist 
after 40 years of research in which he tried to prove that there is nothing called as a soul after his research he came to this conclusion what is that the brain is a computer but it is programmed by something that is outside of himself itself and one of the experiments which led him to this conclusion is very simple but very striking you know scientists have discovered that our body is controlled through different centers in the brain so for example a particular area of the brain is in charge of the motor nervous system so if an electrode triggers a particular area of the brain then the hand will move up so he did an experiment so he uh, observed the brain states of a subject a subject is a person who agrees to undergo an experiment and he told him raise your hand and he raised his hand he found that particular areas of the brain the left parietal lobe for example gets activated so he noted exactly which part of the brain is activated he said now tell what happened he said okay i i raised my hand okay he said now you put your hand down he put his hand down is what happened he said i put my hand down and he noticed that particular part of the brain had become deactivated then the next thing that he did was he artificially through the electrode activated that part of the brain so when he activated that part of the brain the hand went up he asked the subject what happened he says my hand went up so did you raise your hand he said no i didn't you raised your hand you raised my hand then he said okay he deactivated the electrode the hand fell down what happened he said my hand went down did you put your hand down he said no you put my hand down then he said now we'll take this experiment one stage further he says now you make sure that your hand doesn't rise up and then he told him okay you put your hand like this and make sure that your hand doesn't rise up and he activated the brain and you know it is clearly as if there are two individuals there so now dr penfield through this three step experiment asks a very probing question he says that the brain is basically like a execution instrument so if we have a printer and say i have my laptop and i give a print screen command when i give the print screen command the printer hand of the printer starts zoop 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 moving so now in the first case it was like that the brain got activated and the hand got activated and in the second case this person was saying i am not raising my hand it's like i am saying i am not pressing the print button but still the printer hand is moving and somebody has uh, the print button has been pressed the brain has been activated so i am comparing here the printer uh, motion to the hand lifting up the brain to the computer print screen command button and the user so he says in the first case it was the person who raised the hand in the second case the person is saying i did not raise the hand in the second case it was i who raised the hand the doctor raised the hand so it was i the doctor who externally triggered the brain and caused the hand to rise so if i the doctor caused the brain hand to rise by activating the brain in the second case who was it who activated the brain in the first case who was it that activated the brain in the first case and when i said that the hand is going up coming down going up coming down at that time 
There is one person who is causing the hand to move, that is I. But who is causing the hand to stay down? Therefore, he said, the brain is like a computer. This is the quote. This is the background. The brain is like a computer, but the programmer, the user, is somebody beyond the brain. Now, what is the relevance of all this? There's one more. You go ahead. So, Dr. Jan Stevenson was a professor of psychiatry at University of Virginia, and he did extensive research in the past life memories of children all over the world. And he found extraordinary cases of people who had, for example, a child who is born in India. Now, right from his childhood, he starts speaking Russian. No, none of his family members know Russian, none of his acquaintances know Russian. He has not learned Russian himself, there is no chance for him. And he speaks Russian fluently. Not only does he speak Russian fluently, he found four levels of evidences. So, what, if this child is asked, how do you remember your past life? How do you, rem sorry, how do you remember, how do you know this language? He says, I only learned it. When did you learn it? He says, I was a so-and-so person in, in a city near Moscow. And I was an old man at the age of 70 and then I died and then this happened. So now this could be a fabrication. But he found four levels of evidences. First level of evidences, he found that the children give accurate memories. He found that they describe the place. If you go there, they can actually find, okay, there is a house, there is Mr. Tauchi, actually there is a person by that name over there. And there was this person who died and they describe many, many details. Who were the relatives? That's the first thing. He gives accurate details. Second is that they exhibit appropriate emotions and behaviors with the people whom they meet. For example, there was this person, he was born in Kanpur and he said, uh, Mr. Suresh Varma, he said, actually, um, I, am, uh, uh, I am the husband, a small boy, he's saying, I am the husband of a woman named Buma and she owns an electric shop in Lucknow. And when they went there, you know, he was a small five-year-old boy. But when he went to this lady, now he has never seen this lady, he calls the lady by name and just as a husband addresses the wife, he addresses her and he tells many accurate intimate details about her. And when, the, uh, when they are sitting together for a talk, he expects this elderly woman who is now 45 to sit next to him as if her husband sits next to the wife. So, second is they exhibit appropriate behaviors. Third is that he found that there are accurate birthmarks. So this this person Suresh Varma, who Suresh Varma was the person who had died, and he was reborn as a child called T2. This whole program was displayed by BBC in a program called 40 Minutes. So this Suresh Varma was murdered, and when he was murdered, the bullet entered from the right temple, came out of the left temple, and T2 right from his birth had birthmarks, swellings on the right temple and the left temple. And when they took the post-mortem reports of Suresh Varma, they found that the location of the birthmarks on T2 coincided accurately with the entry and exit wounds of the fatal bullet wound. And this is the third level coincidence, this birthmarks are birth. And fourth level is accurate knowledge of languages. That is called a xenoglossy. Xenoglossy, glossy means language, xeno is foreign. So people know foreign languages. And these four levels of evidences make a very strong if not irrefutable case that there are actually a, there was actually a person who is different from the body that person died and was reborn so soul is also being proven scientifically go ahead
So these are the books that he wrote, where reincarnation biology intersect, primarily talks about birthmarks and birth defects. 20 cases suggestive of reincarnation talks about exhaustively analyzed children's uh, past life memories. Go ahead. That's why Max Planck said, for religion, God is at the beginning. For science, God is at the end. So after so much scientific research, now people are coming to the conclusion that the spiritual tenets are actually true. Go ahead. Albert Einstein said, religion without science is lame, science without religion is blind. So we need to unite these two together. Let's go ahead. So now we are talking about what India can make a unique contribution and what all of you can not only contribute but benefit. So Albert Einstein said that we owe a lot to the Indians who taught us how to count without which no significant scientific discovery would have been possible. Now we call it the Arabic numeral system but the Arabic numeral system was developed in India, the place value system because before the place value system was developed for every new number you have to have that many symbols. So it was very abstract. Similarly, the whole concept of zero was developed in India. Go ahead. So Abraham Sidenberg is a famous historian of mathematics. Historian of mathematics means he has traced out what all mathematics was developed in different parts of the world. And he says, ancient Egyptian, Babylonian, Greek geometry is derived from the mathematics recorded in the Shulba Sutra. And the Shulba Sutra is a very ancient script, ancient uh, Vedic book. And actually the Shulba Sutra contains the theorem that today we know as the Pythagoras theorem. The Sanskrit Shloka which describes this. And actually if we look at Pythagoras writings, there is no reference to the theorem in his writings. Euclid was a subsequent uh, geometrician. He says, I found it in a book and he ascribed it to Pythagoras. But both the Shulba Sutra existed long before uh, they, Pythagoras was around 5th century BC. Shulba Sutra are at least 17 to 19th century BC, if not 3000 BC. So now what is the Shulba Sutra? Why does it have such advanced geometry? Actually in the Vedic times they would perform fire sacrifices, yajnas. And the yajnas have to have precise geometrical shapes. So for example, if a particular yajna is to be performed, we require a trapezoid shape. And the yajnas are not just small holes in the ground. Sometimes the yajnas extend hundreds of meters. So the Shulba Sutra gives directives about how the sacrificial altars can be perf can be constructed according to precise geometrical shapes. Go ahead. Now we have Laplace, who is another famous mathematician, say, who says, "It is India that gave us the ingenious method of expressing all numbers by ten symbols, each receiving a value of position as well as an absolute value. A profound and simple idea, an important idea, which appears so simple to us now that we ignore its true merit. But yeah, go ahead. Its very simplicity." The great ease which it has lent to all computations puts our arithmetic in the first rank of useful inventions. And we shall appreciate the grandeur of this achievement the more when we remember that it escaped the genius of Archimedes and Apollonius, two of the greatest men produced by antiquity. So what he's saying is that the mathematics insights that are provided by the Indian knowledge systems are more than what Archimedes and others have provided. So these are just a few quotes. There are hundreds of quotes of not just Indians glorifying India, but Western thinkers and intellectuals appreciating the contribution that Indian knowledge systems have made. Now Indian knowledge systems had two aspects. One was the material aspect and the spiritual aspect. So even the material aspect was not lacking. But the material aspect has now been sufficiently developed 
by modern science what is the unique contribution that india can make is providing the spiritual wisdom go ahead so this is nobel laureate richard ernst so during his nobel laureate nobel prize receiving speech he said india has a well developed academic community with a surplus of highly creative scientists perhaps with a special inclination towards the more theoretical aspects of science and still maintaining a link to the ancient indian culture go ahead i am convinced that india could once again become the cradle of a new school of thought that may significantly influence the fate of the globe during the third millennium perhaps the contribution of india to nuclear power technology and space science will turn out to be irrelevant but the contributions towards a new ethical foundation could be turning the wheel of history in the proper balanced way so this is what india can contribute you know ethical contribution is based on spirituality so india can lead the world as a spiritual superpower now what does that mean go ahead so i'll just talk one practical aspect we have discussed about the soul we have discussed about god but we started our discussion by talking about guided missiles and misguided men and i would like to conclude here by we'll open the desk for question answers after this that i would like to conclude by how the indian knowledge systems the vedic literature can offer insights for us to guide human beings also so the vedic text describe that our existence is at three dimensions we are three dimensional entities now the what we see the three circles the outer circle is the gross body that is what you see of me and i see of you is a physical body beyond that we have a mind that is a subtle body in sanskrit is called a sukshma sharira and then beyond that there is a soul the atma the source of consciousness so this three level reality is very similar to a computer go ahead so as i mentioned earlier the body is like the computer hardware the mind is like the software and the user you and i the self that is the real person so now those of you who have used computers you know that more than the danger of the computer falling the computer breaking a uh, far more probability of the computer getting damaged and destroyed is if its software gets corrupted if viruses come in and any person who is using the software a uh, computer has to have a strong antivirus program so our modern society today is providing if we can compare our bodies to the computer you remember dr um, fenfield said that the brain is like a computer so we are providing abundantly for the protection of the hardware but today our society provides very little for the protection of the software and all of us get corrupted mentally psychologically by viruses what are those viruses those viruses of depression viruses of loneliness viruses of greed viruses of exploitative mentality viruses of selfishness all these viruses come and they attack our mind and when they attack our mind one of the greatest viruses that captures people's mind today is greed what is the nature of greed greed makes us perpetually dissatisfied with whatever we have there's a nice saying says god gives and forgives we get and forget so we get and forget because the whole advertising industry today focuses on showing us whatever we don't have everything that i don't have the advertising shows me and it fuels greed in my heart 
and when greed is there we cannot be satisfied no matter how much we have so actually we need to equip ourselves with a strong internal firewall a antivirus that protects our minds from negative emotions from the viruses of selfishness of greed of depression of loneliness now how do we protect ourselves from these viruses the principle is simple all of us are looking for happiness all of us are looking for happiness and most of us being led or misled by our society direct our quest for happiness outwards the new goods new dresses new cell phones new gadgets and as the days are changing you know it's not just new gadgets it's not just new houses it's just not not just new jobs it's new spouses also so people just keep changing so because of this uh, we just keep trying for happiness externally with new new things and we are never satisfied but if we could find inner happiness then we will not be misled and tempted by these viruses what do these viruses do what does greed do it tempts us you get this you will become happy you acquire this you purchase this you will become happy now one of my friends is a salesman so he said who is a successful salesman according to their marketing theory is one who can sell a refrigerator to a eskimo so that means that which you absolutely don't need the advertising industry will create such a desperate need in people's heart how can i live without it you know one of the greatest fashions nowadays in west and increasingly in india is people just want to change their hair hair color the people who have black hair they want to have blonde hair people who have blonde hair they want to have black hair so why the hair is so external to our being now people are more concerned with should be more concerned with who we are and then what is around us so basically Uh, all these viruses they mislead us by attracting us to external happiness but if we can connect inwards and experience inner happiness then we become protected so spirituality is not just an abstract activity that is done on some mountain top or that is done in some temple or some mosque or some church spirituality is a practical universal activity meant to connect us with our internal reservoir of happiness just like there is a electric socket over there if i connect my device over there the device will get electrified like that god is the supreme reservoir of happiness when we connect with him we become electrified with peace and happiness and when we become electrified with peace and happiness then we become equipped with our internal firewall so i would like to show a brief video i don't know how the sound will come do you have a mic there so this is a report of a study done on the power of mantra meditation and how it equips people to combat these viruses full screen full screen such as the power of mantra Okay, let it be. Let's go ahead. Let it be. It's good enough. Yes. Now go behind. Play it. Yeah. 
The Vedas, however, are not as well known for presenting historical and scientific knowledge as they are for expounding subtle sciences such as the power of mantras. We all recognize the power of sound itself and its effects, which can be quite dramatic. Here, a high-pitched frequency shatters a drinking glass. So, we can easily understand that loud sounds can produce substantial reactions. It is commonly believed that mantras can carry hidden power, which can in turn produce profound effects. The ancient Vedic literatures are full of descriptions of weapons being called by mantra. For example, many weapons were invoked by mantra during the epic Kurukshetra war, wherein the Bhagavad Gita itself was spoken. The ancient deployment of Brahmastra weapons, equivalent to modern-day nuclear weapons, are described throughout the Vedic literatures. Additionally, Those of you are going, I request you to wait for a few minutes because this is the concluding part of our presentation. So, you know, this is a scientific study which showed how meditation, mantra meditation, can help people to overcome bad habits and develop positive mental traits. So, mantras are sound vibrations, but they are not ordinary sound vibrations. Just like E is equal to MC square is in one sense ordinary alphabets and symbols but the combination brings extraordinary meaning in it. Similarly, mantra involves sound vibrations but the sound vibrations are combined in particular ways to represent and embody higher realities and therefore they have extraordinary power. So, uh, the there are many different mantras which can be chanted and the most powerful mantras are those which involve uh, a direct connection with God. And that's why in all the religious traditions of the world, you know, there is a recommendation of utterance of the name of God. In the biblical tradition, it is said that you know, from morning to night, the name of God should be praised. In the Quranic tradition, there is a reference to the hundred sacred names of Allah. In the Buddhist tradition, it is said that, Namya Abhutsu, one who chants the name of Buddha, he gets 
great sense of peace and power in the sikh tradition guru nanak dev says that every morning i immerse myself in the ambrosia of the holy name in the vedic tradition what we today call as hinduism there is reference that the power of the name of god can free the mind from all anxieties now as students one of the greatest challenges for you is tension and worry and all of us don't have a time for worrying now evening 5:30 to 6 i'll worry now worry is something which is a constant background noise which keeps agitating and disturbing us but if you connect yourself with the higher reality of god then you can become free from worry so according to different uh, religious denominations different names of god can be chanted but i would invite you now to experience for yourself the power of mantra meditation what we will do is this is a mantra which refers to the names of god so we will chant this for 3 minutes together so sit in a relaxed position take five deep breaths and then you can utter this mantra with me take five deep breaths let all other thoughts go away from your mind let everything else wait so the letters are in front of you in your eyes i will utter the mantra you can utter the mantra with me softly gently attentively if the mind goes anywhere just like a mother brings the child back bring your mind back to focus on the mantra so let us start together softly with me हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे प्लीज चैंट विथ मी टुगेदर हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे ट्रीट दिस एज अ साइंटिफिक एक्सपेरिमेंट सी वॉट हैपन्स टू योर माइंड एंड कॉन्शियसनेस be scientific open yourself to something new hare krishna hare krishna 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 hare 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 ram hare ram 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 hare 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 krishna hare krishna 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 hare 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 ram hare ram 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 hare 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 krishna hare krishna 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 hare hare हरे राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे एक्सपीरियंस हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे हरे राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे Thank you very much
this is not a religious exercise it is a spiritual exercise you can chant any name of god according to your religious denomination your inclination your belief but don't miss out on spiritual empowerment that is available to you so easily just at your tongue tips you know we have the biggest nuclear bombs that can destroy an entire city but a whole nuclear bomb cannot destroy the bad habit of a single person but the power of god as manifesting through the holy name is greater than the power of the greatest nuclear weapon it can break you free from all bad habits and it can help you to rise to a higher level of personality and performance so i'll quickly summarize what we discussed today we discussed four main points we started by discussing about how sociological statistics indicate something seriously wrong with our society depression addiction suicide are increasing alarmingly then we discussed how science has discovered the practical benefits of spirituality the mental health benefits the physical health benefits then we discussed how indian knowledge systems can offer something unique india has offered pioneering insights in physics but we can offer insights about how to build a internal firewall how to protect ourselves from the viruses of the mind and we discussed one particular way of doing that that is mantra meditation so thank all of you for your kind attention if any of you have any questions i'll be happy to try to answer Would any of you like to ask any questions? So this meditation, yes, please. Do we have a mic? You can speak loudly. Yeah. What is? What is the highest state of meditation? Very good question. the highest state of meditation is called as samadhi in western term in modern terminology it is called as absorption so when we can focus one pointed on one reality so in the highest spiritual stage that reality is god but that principle of concentration is utilizable in all fields of life so basically as students all of you need concentration meditation is an exercise by which to build our concentration just like some of you may like to do body building so you lift weights the more we lift weights our muscles improve similarly meditation is an exercise for the mind the mind finds it just as the body finds it difficult to lift weights initially but the more we lift weights our muscles improve similarly we will find it difficult to concentrate during meditation initially but the more we meditate the more our mental muscles will improve and the more we will be able to concentrate better and better and that concentration has benefits in all fields of life not just spirituality but all fields of life so one pointed concentration samadhi is the highest state of meditation okay any other questions we have mic here it can pass on to you if you have any question yeah please Very good question. What is the concept of God? 
Mm. I'll answer this question in three parts. Mm. Modern science, especially quantum physics, has discovered two aspects that there is a field of energy that underlies all of existence and that what Einstein called a space-time that subsequently has been subsumed in the quantum mechanical state of energy that he says universal and all-pervading. At the same time, quantum physics has also discovered consciousness plays a foundational role in science. If uh, some of you might be knowing about Schrodinger's uh, cat paradox, whether the cat is alive or dead. So the idea is that consciousness is discovered by quantum physics to be a foundational reality of the universe. So we have two aspects which quantum physics is pointing to. One is energy and second is consciousness. So now energy is all pervading. Consciousness belongs to a person. Now you are sitting on a chair, we are sitting in a hall. Now it's not that the hall is conscious, you are conscious. So the concept of God as delineated in the various religious traditions of the world is that God is both an all-pervading energy as well as a conscious person. So just like the sun is localized in one place as a source of energy, but at the same time he is all-pervading as the sunlight. Similarly, one of the most important ancient books of India is called Srimad Bhagavatam. It describes the definition and the three-dimensional aspect of God. In the uh, first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, second chapter, 11th verse, it is described, Vadanti Tattvavidas Tattvam Yadhyanam Advayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Shabdhyate So, it is described that there is an all-pervading aspect of God, which is called as Brahman, which is analogous to the sea of energy that quantum physics talks about. And there is a localized aspect of God, a personal aspect of God, he is called as Bhagavan. And that correlates with the existence of consciousness as a foundational reality. So consciousness as a personal presence and as a presence of energy. These two are foundational to the understanding of ultimate reality both through physics as well as through metaphysics, that is spirituality. This is an elaborate subject and we can discuss it later. But I think a uh, brief answer is this what I could give. Any other questions? Yes, please. Please, meditation means thoughtlessness. Uh, does meditation mean thoughtlessness? Meditation means focused thought, not thoughtlessness. Just like if I say that I want to be desireless, then within the statement I want to be desireless, there is already a want, there is already a desire. So even to be desireless is a desire. So to be thoughtless is also a thought. The state of thoughtlessness is also a thought. So yes, our thoughts cause us anxiety, they cause us agitation, like I was talking about worry. Don't have a time for worry, worry sucks our energy constantly. So we sometimes feel that if I get my, my brain, my mind is just reeling, like I just stop thinking, I will become peaceful. 
but even the idea of stopping thinking is a thought so what we need is not to stop thought but to focus thought just like you know if you uh, use a proper lens and light passes through that that light which gets dissipated can burn paper if it's focused so like that our mental energy is dissipated in all kinds of directions presently so if through meditation we focus it we focus then we can have one focused thought at a time and that thought can be so powerful we can do so much more now when it as we open our books to study but after 15 minutes we find that we are there the book is there but our mind was somewhere else so meditation helps us to focus so that it's not thoughtlessness but singular focused thought one thought at a time so we take up one activity do it properly go to the next activity do that properly go to third activity do that properly currently what happens there are three kinds of people in the world some people make things happen some people watch things happen and some people wonder what happened <laughs> so most of us if our minds are not controlled we fall in the last two categories we wonder what happened this went wrong that went wrong this went like this or some of us this is happening that is happening but when we meditate we can make things happen okay so meditation it's a small investment of time but it can give you rich returns now the meditation will never take away your work time it will take away your worry time it will take away your waste time and it will actually give you much more time now in our everyday we don't allocate time for worry but worry saps so much of our energy we think of our time only in terms of activities okay morning i have to do studies afternoon i have to go to college evening i have to do this but it's not just activities that take our time it's thoughts that take our time for example if somebody insults us that insult may happen within 15 seconds but that thought may lodge into our mind and stay for 15 hours 15 days 15 years sometimes so if we can control our thoughts then we can achieve so much more so thoughts also take time and when we can learn to focus our thoughts through meditation then we learn to utilize our time and energy in effective and efficient way okay thank you very much hari krishna